Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Well, we are continuing this morning our, con- our study of the scriptures together in Psalm 23. Uh, we've been in a study titled, The Lord With Me Forever. Uh, this is really the message that David is trying to send throughout Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is mentioned in verse 1. David talks about the Lord's presence being with him in verse 4. And then he talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever in verse 6. And that's where the theme, uh, the motivation of this study comes from. The Lord with me forever. We've made a lot of observations and applications of these six verses of the Bible. Uh, I want to share with you today one of my favorite observations that I've made since we've been mining the treasures of this passage. I've shared several personal observations with you, but I've yet to share this one. One of my favorite observations, and I've never really read Psalm 23 this way. I don't know if you have, uh, but Psalm 23 is full of action. Uh, It's full of action. It's filled with verbs and transitional verbs. For example, rest. Uh, There's the word renew, guides, walk, protect, comfort, pursue, and live. Psalm 23 is not only a psalm of confidence, as we discovered in part one of this study, but it is a psalm of action. It describes the life of the Jesus follower as a journey, not a standstill. As we look at Psalm 23, we see that even when the sheep are made to lie down in green pastures, it is a temporary rest for the weary. From that point forward, the Lord has the sheep on the move. Now, I believe today that far too many believers are actually stunted in their spiritual growth because they've shifted gears from drive to neutral, from faithfully and obediently walking after the shepherd, seeking the shepherd, following the shepherd, to just putting their spiritual life in park or in neutral. And I want you to know today that Jesus never intended us to just sit in neutral spiritually. Sure, don't get me wrong, we, we must rest, but we must so that we can keep moving forward as healthy and whole disciples of Jesus Christ. The shepherd keeps the sheep moving. And we see throughout Psalm 23 that as the shepherd is leading the sheep and as the sheep move after him, that he leads the sheep and moves the sheep beside still waters through the valley of the shadow of death. And that all, of they, all the days of their lives as the sheep are on the journey, the shepherd leads them in paths of, paths of righteousness with goodness and mercy constantly following them. With that in mind and that said, let's go back to Psalm 23 and let's read these six verses together this morning. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Scripture says here, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. 
for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What a great portion of Scripture, especially for those of us who have been born again in Jesus Christ. I love what John MacArthur has to say about Psalm 23. He says that Psalm 23 stresses from start to finish. The great shepherd's gentle leading is always focused, purposeful, and filled with goodness and mercy. He is intent on bringing his lambs away from evil, out of peril, and through the valley of the shadow of death and into safety and blessing. I'm pretty certain today that this is exactly what David felt. This is exactly what David had in mind. This is something David would have experienced firsthand over the course of his life and through the seasons of his life. It's why he writes in Psalm 23, verse 3, He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. David says, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I want to go ahead and give you the key thought for today's message. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our key thought today off of Psalm 23, verse 3, is that the Lord as our shepherd does not lose his sheep. He leads us always on the right paths. The shepherd never loses us. You and I as individuals, followers of Jesus, human beings, we get off track at times. We wander from him. We stray away from him because there are times in our lives where we think our way might be better or the circumstances of our lives cause us to wring our hands and we try to figure things out on our own and maybe manipulate some circumstances and we get off the right path in doing that. But the shepherd never loses sight of us. He does not lose his sheep. He is always seeking to lead us on the right paths. So with that key thought in mind now, let's spend the rest of our time together answering the question, where does the Lord lead us? Where does the Lord lead us? David answers this specific question throughout Psalm 23. And we're going to see here that David shares with us three different areas or paths that the Lord leads us all down. These are general paths. Uh, How they play out in our lives specifically look a little different for each of us. But the Lord leads us all generally down these paths. We see first of all in Psalm 23 that he leads us, number one, to rest. He leads us to rest. Now, we've already had one entire message uh, in this study devoted specifically to rest. We want to spend just a few more minutes here today talking about that because ever since uh, I preached that message, taught that message, I've discovered that we all struggle with rest. It's something that um, we're not exactly sure how to do, and we need the Lord to teach us how to rest. Psalm 23, verse 2, David says that the Lord, the good shepherd, he lets me rest in green meadows. 
Notice that the shepherd lets me rest. Jesus gives us permission to rest. A lot of times, though, we don't rest because we don't give our own selves permission to rest. Not only does he let me rest in green meadows, David goes on to say, he leads me beside peaceful streams. And so as the Lord is leading us down the paths of righteousness that he has for our lives, he lets us rest in green meadows and leads us beside peaceful streams. I want you to know this morning that as the Lord leads you down paths of righteousness, there are divine rest stops all along the way. I want to remind you of a passage that we've referenced several times throughout this study. In John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, Jesus talks to his original audience and to us today about an enemy. Uh, He talks about that enemy as a thief. And that enemy or the thief is symbolic and represents our spiritual enemy, the devil. He tells us that that thief wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. One of the ways that that thief, that enemy of ours, wants to destroy us is by stealing from us the rest that the good shepherd has for us. When we first talked about this a few weeks ago, we looked a lot at hurry and how every single one of us, to an extent, suffer from what we called hurry sickness. Today, I want to shift gears a little bit, though, and look at how not only does the enemy still rest from us through hurry, but oftentimes, even after we slow down, he will still rest from us by getting us to focus on and wring our hands over and keep our mental wheels spinning and turning over things that are 100% totally out of our control. Um, We're going to have an image on the screen this morning, and on this image, you will see a list of things here kind of on this diagram that are listed as things out of my control, and then there's kind of this inner circle here on the image that says, these are things in my control. I'm kind of sharing this with you this morning to bring you sort of behind the curtain of my own personal life. Uh, These things that are listed here as out of my control are oftentimes things that I personally struggle with. And when I actually slow down and stop hurrying, there's a time there where the enemy loves to keep my mental wheels spinning and trying to still rest from me by getting me consumed with things that I have no control over. We see a few things listed here. God's timing. Listen, we know as God's people that God's timing is always perfect. But the devil oftentimes wants to get, get us stressed out and worried about something as perfect as God's timing and cause us to doubt God's timing. There's other things here out of my control. Changing people, outcomes, the past, the future, others' actions, when growth happens, people's perception of me. I've had to learn and accept as a as a man, as a husband, father, pastor, leader, that I can't change people. Um, I have no control over people's decisions or the things that they do. I have no control over that. But oftentimes the enemy wants to get my mind consumed with the changes that maybe people need to make. And as a result of that, he is stealing the rest that the good shepherd has for me. I have no control over outcomes. I certainly have no control over the past and have no control 
over the future. I have no control over others' actions. I don't have any control over people's perception of me. Now, that doesn't give me a pass to be rude, to be hateful, to be unkind to people. Uh, It doesn't mean that as a pastor or a leader that I shouldn't be open to uh, constructive criticism or feedback. What it does mean, though, is if that I can say that I have sought the Lord, spent time with Him in His Word throughout the day, spoke to Him in prayer, and honestly sought to make the decisions that I felt He was leading me to make, then at the end of the day that I can rest in that and not be consumed with other people's perception of me. I have no control over when growth happens in people's lives or numerically in the church. What I do have control over, though, and there is rest to be found in this, is I can control whether or not I walk by faith. I can control what I focus on. I can choose to believe God's word. I can choose to rest. I can choose to love people the way Jesus loved people. I can choose to pray boldly, asking God to do exceedingly abundantly more than, ever I, than I could ever ask or think. My actions are in my control, and so is taking my own personal thoughts captive. Listen, the, the good shepherd, he leads us to rest. He lets us rest in green meadows. He leads us beside peaceful streams. All along the paths of righteousness, there are divine rest stops all along the way. But you and I, we have a tendency to hurry past them or to neglect them along the way as we tend to become consumed with things that are totally out of our control. Remember, there's a spiritual enemy, the devil, and he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. But there's also a good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And he says in John 10 that he has come to give us life and give it to us abundantly. And that abundant life is not a life that is constantly go, 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 go. But it is a life where the shepherd lets us rest in green meadows. And where we are led by him to peaceful streams. Number two, the Lord not only leads us to rest, but he also leads us through darkness. He leads us through darkness. I want to bring us back to a very fundamental, basic, theological truth from Scripture, and that is that God allows life to reign on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, tells us in James chapter 1 to rejoice when we face trials of many kinds because it is those trials that God uses to mature us in our faith in Jesus. Jesus himself said that in this world we will face challenges and tribulations of many kinds. Therefore, uh, it is poor theology on our part to assume that just because someone is going through a dark time that it is due to a sin in their life. Sometimes Christians are the worst at assuming and thinking that just because someone's going through a hard time, that it's because of something that they did or brought upon themselves. Now, let me, let me clarify this here real quick. There are consequences that we bring on ourselves as a result of poor decision making. After all, Scripture tells us that we reap what we sow. But many times, God is just simply allowing our faith to be tested in and through the darkness so that he can mold us into mature followers of Jesus. 
Psalm 23, verse 4, David said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. There are seasons and there are times when God has us on the path of righteousness, but that path of righteousness is filled with shadows. It's a dark valley. But David said when we are leaning into the shepherd and have our sights set on him, that we do not have to be afraid because the good shepherd is close beside us. Early on in my ministry, I became fascinated with this biblical imagery of a shepherd and the sheep. And I wanted to become uh, more familiar with it. I wanted to understand it in even greater depth, uh, the symbolism of this picture that is throughout the entire Bible. And as I was uh, reading material on that and learning about it, one of the things that I learned is that in the springtime, in the barren Judean wilderness, a shepherd will lead his sheep to areas of new grass. But that journey to find new grass is often treacherous. And the path winds through deep ravines with unsure, foot, unsure footing and gloomy shadows. It sounds a whole lot like the Christian life. The Christian life, too, as we follow Jesus, is filled with pits and deep valleys as we journey toward and into the life that God has for us. It looks or sounds a little something like this. The diagnosis, the unknown the miscarriage, the infertility, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a home, the ups and downs of the economy, the wayward child, and the strained marriage. The good shepherd leads us. He leads us to rest, but he also leads us through darkness. He will take us through times where life just feels rainy. He will take us through seasons where we are surrounded by shadows. But make no mistake about it, the shepherd always has what's best for us in mind. And he is always looking to mature us into growing up to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Number three, the Lord leads us to rest. He leads us through darkness, but he also leads us through discipline to restoration. Through discipline to restoration. Psalm 23 verse 4. David talks about this here when he says, Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. You know, one of the other observations I made about sheep as I started to study this imagery more and more over time, and it's not a hard one to make. If you've spent any time around sheep or livestock, uh, you've probably noticed this, but sheep are stupid. Uh, sheep are stubborn creatures. Uh, they stray away. Now, that in mind, I want to remind you, God loves us. He loves us. I mean, the scriptures tell us, John 3, 16, that God loved you and I so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He loves us, but he calls us sheep. In other words, we're not the smartest creatures. Uh, we're stubborn. We tend to stray away. This is why in his word in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, the Lord tells us that all of us, me and you, we are like sheep that have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord loved us so much that he laid on Jesus the sins of us all. You know, in a flock, uh, some sheep in the flock can be so stubborn um, 
stray away so often that their shepherd intentionally has to break one of their legs to keep them from wandering off. But then, because he loves them so much in his grace, the shepherd splints the leg and will carry the sheep on his shoulders until it can walk again. This is a lesson that the shepherd is trying to teach the sheep to stay close and to trust him, the shepherd, to lead. And God does something very similar to us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 through 13 tells us that our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. The Bible says that when we are saved, all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been cast as far as the east is from the west. But that is not a license to sin. Uh, God does not turn a blind eye when the godly live in an ungodly manner. He's patient, he's forgiving, but he's also a father who lovingly disciplines his children when necessary. And it is through this experience that God restores our souls, he changes our inward bent, he administers his rod as an instrument of his love, and he does it to guide us in the right paths. I love what Tony Evans has to say. He says, sheep are prone to wander and become lost. They need guidance. Many cars today have navigational systems. If you deviate from the best route to reach your destination, the system will warn you to return to the right road. And it is through his word and his spirit that God leads us along the right paths in life and reroutes us when we foolishly become wayward. Why? For his namesake. That is so that others can hear us say, my God has brought me here. And that's the confidence that comes from remembering who you belong to. That is that if you've been born again by the grace of Jesus Christ, that you belong to the good shepherd. And because of that, you can always walk confidently. In the rest, you can say, my God has brought me here. In the darkness, you can say, my God has brought me here. Even through the times of discipline and restoration, you can confidently say, my God has brought me here and he loves me faithfully. So let me end the message today with this question. Do you know the good shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? I'm not asking you, do you know about him? I'm not asking you how many church services you've sat through or how many sermons you've listened to or how many times you've served in a ministry. I'm asking you, do you know the good shepherd? There's a lot of people today that know a lot about the good shepherd, and there's a lot of people today that go through the motions of faith, but they don't know the good shepherd. The good shepherd wants to know you. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. 
And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. And so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. A little bit further on into John, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The Father wants to know you today. But the only way for you to know the Father and the Father to know you is for you to know the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Here in a moment, we're going to open up these altars to pray and to sing. Before we do, let me lead us into that with a prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for being the Lord that is with us forever. Thank you that you always seek to lead us on the right paths, that you never lose us along the way. Thank you for leading us to rest through darkness and for loving us enough to discipline us, to bring us to a place of restoration. And it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.